One of the things I'm really happy about is this week, as I've prepared to talk about fear, I have struggled with a lot of fear, actually. So I'm glad I didn't get the greed uh, sermon and that that's on somebody else because God has a way of when you're going to talk about something that's something that you're tended to be struggling with. But uh, I'm happy I could be here and speak with you today. We're in the middle of a series called You're Not the Boss of Me, where we're talking about emotions and how to view them through the lens of Scripture and how to not let them take control of our lives. And so far we've talked about guilt. We've talked about envy. We've talked about anger. Today, I get fear. None of us want to experience fear, right? Does anybody here like being afraid? I'm not talking about when you go to a scary movie and your honey bunny is next to you, so you love scary movies, so you can be like, it's okay, honey, I got you. Not that. I'm talking about real fear. Many of us wrestle with fear and worry on a regular basis. Most of us have felt afraid at some point in our lives. And maybe you're one of the ones here this morning that you struggle with fear and anxiety on a daily basis. To be honest, over the last several months, fear has been a pretty common experience for everyone. As we've kind of walked through a pandemic of not knowing who's going to get sick, who's not going to get sick, who is who's at risk, who's not. So what a great topic for us to talk about today. So as we get started, let's kind of uh, even out the playing field here. Because I'm sure some of us are thinking, well, I'm not afraid. You know, when I ask kids, what are you afraid of? I always have one or two kids who are like, I'm not afraid of anything. Really? Because I know you sleep at a nightlight, you know. But sometimes we have a hard time admitting our fear. So let's even out the field today. I have a question. I have actually a couple questions. On a scale of 1 to 10, how would you rate yourself and how fearful you are? Now listen, you don't have to answer out loud if you don't want to. Uh, I would rate myself probably around a six or a seven, depends on the day. I'm not constantly afraid, but I think I struggle with fear maybe a little bit more than the average person. So where would you put yourself? Question number two. When fear comes your way, what's your go-to coping mechanism? Now, I know that you can tell by looking at me that my go-to coping mechanism is weightlifting, right? I load up that spoon of ice cream as heavy as I can get it, and I do as many repetitions as I can, right? We all have different ways that we deal with fear. For some people, it's trying to control the situation. For other people, it's avoiding it. For others, it's running to somebody else to take care of it for them. But we all have ways of coping. One more question. What's your biggest fear about the future? Sometimes my biggest fear is that I'm going to face something that I can't handle. And I'll be a failure. I actually have one more question. I'm going to save it until the very end. So today, as we talk about fear, the first thing is we all struggle with fear. And we're going to see how even the disciples struggled with fear. So let's check out 
Matthew chapter 8 today, verses 23 through 24. If you've got your Bible, you can get out. Otherwise, it's up on the screen. Matthew chapter 8, verses 23 through 24. And my glasses keep fogging up, so I can't see the back screen. So I'm going to use... Anybody with me with the glasses fogging up with wearing the mask? All right. See, we got a brotherhood and sisterhood right here. All right. Then he got into the boat. He is Jesus. Got into the boat and his disciples followed him. Suddenly, a furious storm came up on the lake so that the waves swept over the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. Sometimes there's a lot of reasons to fear. And the first thing that I just want to touch on is sometimes there are legitimate reasons to be afraid. Sometimes, especially in church settings, when people feel afraid, we treat it like, well, this is a spiritual issue. You just need to get over it and move on. You just need to pray a little bit harder. You need to trust Jesus more. And, and you need to, well, you need to repent of your sin for being afraid. But the scripture verse says, suddenly a furious storm came up. As much as I would love for life to always be easy, the reality is there are times where there are legitimate reasons for us to struggle with fear. Because there are times when there are very real storms in our lives. This was a very real storm. The waves were hitting the boat. They felt it. They felt the rocking. The wind was blowing. The danger was real for the disciples. Fear can be really confusing. Is it sin? Is it a lack of faith? Am I just weak because I feel fear? But there are times that it's appropriate to be afraid. Not letting your kids play in traffic because you're afraid they're going to get hit by a car is not a lack of faith. Okay? It's not sin. It's wisdom. So the thing is, is that sometimes it is appropriate to be afraid. So let me share with you a story of my struggles this week. Um, <clears throat> Steph and I live in a condo. And we own the one that we live in. Um, and it had... Two bedrooms when we moved in. We kind of took our attic and made it into a loft. And now as my kids are getting older, I'm finding it's just not enough room for us. We've been struggling with like things starting to pile up because we have no place to put it. And I'm not a hoarder. You may not think that if you see my office, but I'm not a hoarder. But we've just kind of as we've gotten bigger and our interests have grown and we've gotten interested in different things, we've just run out of room. And so Steph decided and, and that she was feeling this desire of wanting to move. And my first thing is, yeah, but I'm comfortable here. 
But she went through all the things, and she's like, listen, we can afford, blah, 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 and went through it all. And I was like, okay, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with you in this, you, you know, and I agree. We need space. We need a new home, and I'm with it. So we started the process of putting our, our house up. Tuesday night this past week at like 9 o'clock, I think it was, our place went up for sale. Let me tell you, in that moment, when I looked at the listing at 9 o'clock, trust me, I was checking all night long to see if it was listed yet. When I saw that listed, the first thought I had is, oh my gosh, this is so permanent. I felt afraid because now, like, I feel like I can't back out and I'm facing something that I don't think I can handle. This is my place of safety. When I am done at the end of the day or I'm I'm having a rough day, I know I can always go home. And now I don't have a home. Well, that was what my brain was thinking. But it's not quite true yet because, you see, it was on the market Tuesday night, all day Wednesday. And Wednesday we got a call. Somebody wanted to look at Thursday. And I'm like, okay, they can look at it. You know, that doesn't mean anything. So Wednesday morning we all are... Wednesday morning, Thursday morning, we all clear out of the house. You know, we're, all right, let's go get bagels. We'll be gone for an hour. We'll look at some houses that we'd like to maybe, you know, see. We'll drive by them. And two hours after the viewing, we had an offer. I was like, wait, no, 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 no. It's a little fast for me. I'm down with this, but I needed to slow down a little bit, right? Because I need to take my time. I have to warm up to the idea. So we were like, oh, thank you for your offer. We're not, not right now. It's a little low for us. I am like, thank God. An hour later, we have a signed contract because they met our, our negotiating. And now I really am feeling like we're homeless. So the first thing we do is we make a list of all the houses that we drove by that we want to go see because the realtor needs to take us because now I'm homeless. I have, I have nothing. There were strangers who just walked through my house, touched all my stuff, and now want to buy it. What am I going to do? I was afraid. And then the houses we were looking at, by the time we got an appointment, like a half hour before we were supposed to go, they are like, oh, that's under contract. Sorry. So not only do I have I sold my house, I can't even find another one to even look at. I know it's not very manly standing up here and admitting this, but I was afraid. To the point where when they got the call to say, hey, your house is, they've accepted and your, your counteroffer or whatever, your house is, on the, is, is, is under contract now. I had this welling up of emotions. And I was like, I don't think I can do this. I I, I don't think I can do this. We live in a time where there are legitimate reasons to be afraid. We're in the middle of a pandemic. Economy, sometimes we're worrying about that. We see some of the businesses who are closing down because they've been closed down. Racial, racial tensions. And to add on top of that, man, you watch YouTube and people are giving prophecies about how bad things are going to get. 
you watch the news and there's a lot of fear mongering. And I think to myself like, thanks 2020. <laughs> this wasn't on my schedule. You know, I have my daytime, my big thick thing. I did not write any of this stuff in because this was not supposed to happen. But it is, and now I'm afraid. But there's other kinds of fears, too, besides just those ones that feel like legitimate fears. Sometimes there's those fears that get built up in our mind, and they become exaggerated. Me saying, um, we're going to be homeless now, that's an exaggeration, isn't it? And yet, that's exactly where my mind went. To all the what-ifs. What if I end up living in a van down by the river? My mind grabbed onto something and would not let it go. Friday morning, just waiting to find out if they accepted our offer or not, and part of me hoping they didn't, because I was afraid. Three o'clock in the morning, I'm awake. And all I kept thinking is, what if, what if, what if, what if? My mind exaggerated every possible situation. And it became this insurmountable task that was going to leave me a homeless, bankrupt failure. Have you ever done that? Have you ever struggled with your thoughts and gotten lost in your own mind and how it builds things up until the unlikely seems like it's the only possible thing? What's funny is Friday morning I had a a doctor's appointment for the chiropractor and so I made it before work and I was on my way and I'm driving and I'm so lost in my thoughts about, um, about, okay, what are we going to do? What about the cost? What about, and just running through it over and over again that my autopilot kicked in. I pulled into the church parking lot. Pastor Jeff was sitting in there in his car. I pulled in, realized, wait a minute, it's 730. Where am I? Oh, I'm not coming to church. I'm going to the chiropractor and turned around and pulled right back out. Later, when I showed up when I was supposed to for work, Pastor Jeff was like, was that you here earlier? As a matter of fact, it was. So then sometimes there's real reasons to be afraid. Sometimes there's fear where our mind just catches on to something and runs it over and over again, and it begins to begin exaggerated. But then sometimes there's fear that we don't even fully understand. We don't know where it comes from or why it's even an issue for us. All right, I'm going to put myself out there again. Last year, Steph, the kids, and I went to Philly for a couple of days to see the Liberty Bell and some of the other um, historic sites. Um, We had been there a couple years ago, and we missed it because the lines were too long, and the younger your kids are, the harder it's wait the harder it is to wait in line. So we were going back to see some of the things. But we decided that staying in New Jersey was actually cheaper than staying in Philadelphia. So that's what we did. We got a hotel in, in New Jersey, and we would drive back and forth across the bridge into Philly. That is when I realized that out of nowhere, hey, I have a newfound panic attack that involves driving over bridges. 
I never had this issue before. When I was a, a senior in high school, I was, I was working here on weekends, and I would drive across the bridge from Pennsylvania to New Jersey on the turnpike all the time. No problem. But now my kids are laughing at me in the back seat because I'm like, oh, my gosh. And my stomach's doing flip-flops. I've never had trauma about a bridge before in my life. So where the heck did this come from? Apparently getting older is not being kind to me. In fact, one of the days, oh, I got to keep moving here. One of the days, um, as we were doing it, Steph made a wrong turn. It ended up crossing back and forth over the bridge a couple of times because we missed the turn we were trying to make. And I'm like, please, dear Lord, I can't do this again. Fear can be a fickle boss. Sometimes it can help us to make wise choices. But once it gets too big in our lives, it steals our sleep, gives us ulcers, drives us to avoid important people and responsibilities. And it pushes us to make decisions that sometimes hurts others. The disciples felt very real fear because this storm came up out of nowhere and their fears were consumed. The thing is, though... um, If you want to consider, and I'm not going to dive into it a lot, but these were professional fishermen. They were used to seeing storms, right? And yet it blew up in their minds. And maybe they didn't even know why they were afraid, but they were afraid. Look at their response. Jesus is sleeping. The disciples went and woke him saying, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. Lord, save us. Fear had become the bolt to them. And out of their panic, all they could think about was, we are going to drown. These are professional guys who should have been used to being in a boat and and maybe some choppy weather. But fear had become the boss. And you know why? Because fear is a liar. Fear is a liar. Fear will tell you that the worst possible outcome is the only possible outcome. We are human and finite, and sometimes there is danger. But fear tells you that whatever is going on in your life, the only way this is going to turn out is for the absolute worst possible case. No one can save you. You're on your own. You're out of control. You have no hope. Death is knocking at your door, and he's not going to go away until he has you. That's what our mind does with fear. Fear is a liar. We can't see because we're human. We can't see the beginning from the end. We don't know how things are going to turn out, but fear is going to tell you, you do know. And then what do we do? We respond to that and say, I'm afraid, so this must be bad. I can't control it, so I have to try harder. I can't handle this. And so we give up and avoid. It's too big for me. What am I going to do? I have to do something. And so we run around doing anything. That's because fear wants to be your boss. 
And it wants you to get your eyes on yourself and about yourself and what you can and what you can't do so that it can keep you pinned down. But there's a better boss. Look at how Jesus responds. He says, he replied, you of little faith, why are you afraid? Then he got up, rebuked the winds and the waves, and it was completely calm. All right, so first of all, let's address something here, because there's a little bit of an elephant in the room here, because it, it seems like I just got done saying that, sin, that, that fear isn't always a sin, fear is not always a lack of faith, and here's Jesus saying, you of little faith. He seems to be putting the disciples down, but... Okay, so I hate saying in the original Greek, this is what this word means. Because sometimes we say this thing so we sound really smart. But I'm going to go ahead and say it so I sound really smart. So in the original Greek, this phrase means you are trusting too little. It literally means trust me. Faith means trust. This wasn't a put down from Jesus saying, you of little faith, what is wrong with you? He's saying, why aren't you trusting me? Do you seriously think I would let you drown when I'm right here with you? Let's check out another scripture. And this is one of my favorite scriptures about fear. And it comes from Joshua chapter 1. And I kind of skipped some of it just so we can get the the part I want to focus on here. But listen to what it says. Joshua has just taken over running the Israelites, uh, you know, ruling the nation. And they're about to enter into the promised land. And something must be going on in Joshua's head. Because God says, be strong and courageous. Because you will lead these people to inherit the land. Be strong and very courageous. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. God is telling Joshua, Joshua, don't be afraid. But it's not an attitude of an angry father pointing his finger saying, why are you afraid, you coward? That's not what he's saying. He's saying, Joshua, don't be afraid. And listen to why he says, don't be afraid. He says, don't be afraid for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. This is not an angry father trying to make his son man up. This is a loving father speaking words of comfort to his child. Be strong. I'm with you. Don't be afraid. I'm going with you. I'm going before you. Don't be afraid. Just walk in my footsteps. You ever do that when there's snow outside and it was too big for your kids? And so you're like, just walk. Or actually, maybe, maybe I'll do it this way. You ever teaching your kid how to drive in the snow? And you tell him to drive in the tracks in front of you? Well, sometimes Jesus says the same thing. I'm going to go before you. And if you read through Joshua, that's exactly what it says. I'm going to go before you. Walk in my footsteps. Don't be afraid. I'll show you the way. These are the words of a loving father. Parents, have you ever been fast asleep in bed and then all of a sudden you end up with a tiny little elbow in the ribs? 
My son used to climb into bed with us sometimes, and then he would turn sideways and push you out. And while he's pushing you out with his feet, he's like a cat. His little toes are going like this, kneading your back, almost like, oh, you're bringing me comfort. Now get out of my way. It's my bed now. But isn't that what little kids do when they're afraid? They run to mom and dad. They run for someone that they know will bring them comfort. Adults, when you feel afraid, how many of you immediately got on your phone and call your spouse? Or if you're not married, you, you, you get in your group chat. I did that Wednesday uh, when I found out our Thursday when I found out our, whole, our, our house was sold. I immediately got on a group chat with some of the guys, and I'm like, guys, I'm homeless. Pray for me, you know, because I was afraid, and I wanted comfort. God said to Joshua, fear, the answer to Joshua's fear was his presence. Do not be afraid. I am with you. He says earlier, I will never leave you. I will not forsake you. Jesus challenged the disciples. Why don't you trust me? The person and presence of God is the answer to our fear. Our fears want a person. Our fears drive us to a person. Now, don't hear what I'm saying wrong. I'm not saying your hope is in an earthly person. Listen, if I'm afraid, it's good for me to run to my wife and gain comfort from my wife. But my wife is no more in control of some of these things than I am. Our fear longs for the person of Jesus Christ. You see, the work that Christ did on the cross is all sufficient. Sometimes we think about it's only all sufficient for sin. But the work that Christ did on the cross was all sufficient. Jesus wiped out the sting of death. Isn't a lot of times fear about the end consequences? Well, Jesus wiped out the sting of death. By suffering in our place, he can comfort us. Even Jesus, before he was on the cross, had to struggle through some anxiety, didn't he? Saying, God, I don't want to do this. And to the point where his, blood, his sweat was blood. Nobody looks at him and says, what a sinner. But he does understand when we struggle. And he can help us to walk through it just like he did. The fear, he didn't run from it. He didn't try to double down and control it. He trusted his heavenly father and he walked through it. We just sang a song. Death has lost its grip on me. That happens when we learn to trust in the person of Jesus. And yes, our fear may not suddenly dissipate like it never existed. But when he walks through us, fear has lost its grip because it has failed to stop us. One more quick thing about Peter. Peter was in the boat the day this storm came up. 
He was one of the ones who cried out in fear. Don't you care that we're going to drown? Later, we read about Peter. And he's in a boat again, and another storm comes up. Except this time, Jesus isn't with him. And the storm is raging, and he sees what looks like a ghost. And it's Jesus walking on the water, and he comes up. And Peter's like, it's a ghost. It's like Scooby-Doo and Scrappy. Ghost! But Jesus says, it's okay, Peter, it's me. And so what does he do? He encourages Peter as Peter's like, well, if it's really you, let me walk in the water. And Jesus is like, okay, come on, come on. And when Peter steps into the water, he's doing fine as long as he's focused on the one that he should trust. But the moment his focus changed from the one he should trust, the person, and went to the waves, he started to sink. And you know what? Sometimes we're like, Peter, you're so dumb. But that's not even how Jesus responded to him. Jesus reached out his hand and grabbed him and lifted him back up. Sometimes we get so stuck and feeling ashamed that we're afraid that we forget that there's a God right there saying, come on, you can do it. Come on, come on. Listen to Peter. First Peter chapter 5, verse 7. He says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. This is the same guy who was afraid so many times in his life that we preach whole sermons about how he was so afraid he denied Jesus. And yet, after really coming to grips with who Jesus is and how he can fully put his trust in him, he's able to say, cast your anxieties on him because he cares. Okay. So let's get to the point where we say, so what? So what? Well, there's three ways that we can respond to fear. We can let fear be the boss. We can avoid. We can get shut down. We can let our minds run. We can try to be our own boss. Hey, fear, you're not going to be the boss. I'm going to convince myself of the evidence. I'm going to convince myself it's okay. I'm going to, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to take control now and I'm going to make things kind of fit into what I view they should be so I feel more comfortable. Or there's a last possible response. We can trust in Jesus. Now, by no means do I... Listen, I just told you all the things I'm afraid of. So by no means am I like, hey, just flip that switch and now trust in Jesus. Because it's not a switch. It's learning how to walk in relationship. And it doesn't always make the fear disappear and go away. But when we walk in that relationship with Jesus, fear doesn't have to be the boss. So I told you I had one more question that I was going to save for you. So here's my question. What would it look like for you to trust in Jesus in the midst of your fear? (laughs) 
I'm going to ask if our musicians could come up and in building B, as Pastor Jamal is going to go ahead and close it out over there and those musicians come forward. I want to give you an opportunity to bring your fears to Jesus and learn to trust him. What fears right now are trying to set themselves up as the boss of you? Instead of running to your bowl of ice cream, I mean, coping mechanism, why not, why don't we run to Jesus this morning? If you could please stand with me.